Welcome to Ogilav Nanagus. Conversations about Irish mythology with the story archaeologist Chris Thompson and Isolde Carmody at www.storyarchaeology.com. Series 2 The Battle of Moitura. Episode 10 The Children of Tyran 2. Three Shouts on a Hill. Anyway, let's have a look at the quest. Yes. So they set off and they tell the marriage magic boat where to go and it takes them straight to the Hesperides. Yes. It's that easy. No, like a none of the problems that poor old Heracles had. No. Having to ask the old man of the sea and yeah. then having to bump into Atlas. And yeah. Nope, they just go straight there. Yeah. On the way, they discuss the difficulty of getting the apples, which is so well guarded. And Brian mm. goes, oh, I know what to do. Um, let's turn into hawks. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting enough, they're only supposed to get three apples. Yes. But he says, look, you get one each in yeah. your claws yeah. and I will find a way of carrying two. Yeah. So he's going to come back with four apples. Exactly. He's, he's already cheating. Yeah. He's already cheating. Well, it works well and they <laughs> get the apples, but mm. the king's daughters, in other words, here, the Hesperides themselves, yes. uh, turn themselves into griffins and pursue them with burning lightning darts. And the mm. poor birds are getting... Pew, pew, pew. They, all their feathers <laughs> are excited to catch fire. So Brian turns them back into men and they leap into the sea. Mm. And the griffins give up. Mm. And uh, so they've got the, uh, they've got the, they've first. Got the first thing. Yeah. It's that easy. And they think, <laughs> wow, this is easier than we thought. Yeah. But you can see there's elements, obviously, of Heracles mm. and the 11th Labour, but you've also got little bits of Jason and the yes. Harpies yeah. and, and uh, unashamed shape-shifting yeah you know it's real fairy tale stuff yeah and second quest for the pigskin you almost yes. want the da da yes <laughs> well, they go to the court of the king of greece and brian this time has this brilliant idea and he says okay let's present ourselves as poets yes and his brothers go uh, what <laughs> we don't know any poetry we're not poets yeah. we're, we're warriors. warriors they tie their hair up with the tie of poets now i have the clue what this means yeah i think it might be a reference to the idea again i don't know whether it's historical or literary but this idea that you could only wear certain colors according to your rank and your profession so it might be this idea that whatever color is reserved for poets that's what they put in their hair mm. and so you know that immediately marks them out you know, it's obviously still important mm. it seems to make sense it's yes. just you know they seem to accept it so yeah. they tie their hair exactly with. so it's still obviously current yeah but it's essentially saying they dress up as poets yeah. well they're received by honour with mm -hmm. honour by the king and in fact um, the three lads are quite impressed yes it's pretty like amazing it yeah. and they start drinking mm -hmm. and, uh, and then Brian <laughs> goes oh lads go on Give us a poem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're not poets. poets. We're warriors. And yeah. he goes, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. And in fact, he performs a po poem which mm. asks for the pigskin as a reward. Yes. Oh, Tush, we do not conceal your fame. We praise you as the oak above the kings. The skin of a pig, bounty without hardness, is the reward I ask for it. The war of a neighbourhood against an ear, the fair ear of his neighbour will be against him. He who gives us his property, his court shall not be the scarcer for it. Mm. There's a bit more, but the king goes, what? Yeah, he goes, that was a lovely poem. Yeah, nice poem, what's what it about? Mean? <laughs> it's interesting because there's this feeling mm. that, in fact, there's hidden something hidden yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, there's, there's deliberate... Uh, reference made when he's having to explain to the king one of the things is this the term that he uses which is translated as ear that he uses the term o uh, which a modern irish speaker would think was the term o which is a preposition meaning from um, okay so he's used the t uh, an archaic term o instead of the more modern and recognizable word of cluis mm -hmm. for ear 
Um, and that's one of the things that's picked out as being not understood within there. So he's deliberately using archaisms. Yes, there's archaic language being used. It's also that kind of language that could be misinterpreted. Did you, you tell know. me there were also own references in it? There are, yeah. I mean, the, there's this thing of the oak being higher than kings, you know. Um, now, the oak is one of the letters of, of the Ogham alphabet, mm. and that would have been known as, you know, if you like, part of the barrel in the village, part of the language of poetry. Um, but there is almost this kind of implicit criticism of using archaic terms within He's not a poetry. poet. Poets. Yeah, but it's not only he that. He's pretending it's, to be a poet, so he, he's using these archaic stuff that... He's almost like a stereotypical Yeah, poet. yeah. But there's, there's more to it than that as well. You know, it's it's also, you know, saying that, okay, so you might have used these old poetic techniques, but they're not relevant to us anymore. Okay, you know? so it's a bit of a jibe at poets as well. I think so, yeah. The, it's quite ambivalent. And as we'll see, you know, there is another poem that, that is yeah. connected to this. But the king has a surprising, you know, he says, oh, that was great. He yeah. said, look, I can't give you the pigskin, yeah. but I can give you the piece, the fill of the pigskin with gold. Yeah. And Brian isn't even happy with that. Yeah. Goes, most, no, most we want be, one each. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, most poets would be more than happy and with that much goes, gold. The king goes, that's fine. Yeah. So they're going to be paid extortionately yes. for this simple little poem. The, yeah. king's, the king is really obeying the traditional laws of hospitality Absolutely. and respect for poets. Yeah. Only here, it's almost like Brian is taking like cream veil. Yes. He's, he's, it's almost like he's it's threatening in the legal satire. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is something that um, we sort of skipped over a bit earlier, which is that the that Cian and his brothers are said to be the sons of Cointe. And Cointe means satire. So okay. there's there's something in here about, um, I think anyway, about the sort of degradation of the status of poets and of what they do. That they so poets are now being seen as extortionists. Exactly. Yeah. You but know, they'll look they'll, at they'll them, give they expect you so much yeah. just for a few words. Exactly. And that if you don't pay them in you know lavishly for their few archaic mm. and incomprehensible words, then they satirise you yeah. and, and your life is over. So they're a bit above themselves nowadays. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. now that there's kind of seen with a lot of suspicion. The lot in this tale is quite yeah. ambivalent about these things. There's a lot of um, stuff that's ambivalent all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Brian, of course. Yeah. Being brilliant, he, on the third filling, he waits till the third filling. Yeah, he I makes notice. sure to get the three fills of gold plus yeah, the And then snatches itself. the king skin on his yeah. third filling with his left hand yeah. while grabbing his sword with his right and cutting the servant who's filling the pig skin in half. Yeah. And after that, well, he wraps him himself in the skin and the yeah. three fight their way out. Yeah. With Brian killing the king. Exactly. You know, but in, in when you compare it to the episode with the Dagda and Creedon Vale, you know, uh, Creedon Vale is always threatening a satire, but he never actually sort of goes, mm. follows that through. But there's that kind of extortionate, give me all your food or I'll satirise you, or give mm. me the best bits and I'll satirise you. Instead of bothering to compose a proper satire, he just, just slaughters everyone. And you then know. they go on to the quest for the poison spear. Yeah. There's a Persian court. Now, I go, that really worked well. Let's yeah. do it again. <laughs> whole thing exactly as before pretty much um, except this time in his poem praising the king of persia uh, he says that it is he is a yew tree who is higher than kings so there's this slight shift you know and again the yew is also one of the letters in the om alphabet mm. and the word that he uses is ao um as in mayo um, for a you and in the previous poem he used O for an ear so now he's using yo so there's a linguistic echo going on there yeah but there's... whatever happens he mm. just 
puts the spear straight through the king. Yeah. And then they make off with the spear in its yes. protective cauldron. Yes. So he's killing the king while his brothers, guess what? They kill everyone else. Kill everyone else. And off they go. Yeah. Next quest. The mm -hmm. quest for the chariot. Yes. And the horses. Well, they go off to uh, Dover, mm -hmm. who's supposed to be the king of Sicily, or what yeah. is intended to be Sicily. Yeah. And this time they decide to print themselves. No, not, not. doing the poets again. <laughs> Irish mercenaries suit yes. their brothers better. Yeah, I, I think um, the two brothers have been talking to Brienne and going, "Look, you can't yeah. keep doing this. Yeah. It doesn't work." <laughs> and uh, this time they turn up, and all oh, they want the mercenaries. They think they're quite good, and once yeah. more they make friends with the king. Yeah, they get on really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, they they become trusted, reliable friends of the king. Yeah, he really yeah. takes them on board. But after a month, they yeah. heard nothing about the. Chariot. Nobody's never chariot. been mentioned. Yeah, yeah. After six weeks, they turn around to the king and go, Unless you tell us about this chariot, we are leaving. Yes. <laughs> In our country, <laughs> warriors of our kind and status are treated as confidence of the king. We yes. have tremendously high status. Yeah. You're probably not aware of this. <laughs> and the king goes, Oh, hang on. Yeah. If you'd have mentioned the chariot, I'd have shown it to you on the first day. Yeah, exactly. You didn't ask. You didn't ask. <laughs> So he gets out the chariot, yeah. you know. Pop. Shows him, yeah. Well, well once, once again, you know, Brian has done something in a convoluted way when a simple way would have worked, mm. you know. Then even again, he's just about to do the same old thing. Yeah. He watches carefully, then grabs the charioteer by the foot, mm -hmm. leaping into the chariot, then uses the poison spear that yeah. he got in the last quest. Mm. And guess what? Kills the king. <laughs> Runs him through, yeah. What a surprise. Uh, Brian's brothers kill everyone as usual. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I want to say any more about yeah. that. One. The quest for the pigs. Yes. Well, this is the king of the golden pillars. Yeah. Which, as we said, might relate to the pillars of Heracles. Mm. And they're them. searching for seven pigs. Mm. Plenty of magic pigs around. These are the pigs that are almost like the food of the gods. Yes, they can be eaten every night and then they'll they be back again in the morning. They turn up in Cormac. Mm. One of the four stories that mm. Cormac is, hears when the. Uh, there's a magic cauldron which really cook when true stories are told. Yes. And one of the stories that is told is about a pig that mm. is killed. Every night, and yeah. turned into rashers and sausages mm. and the next morning it's alive again. Yes. So this is that's obviously one of these pigs. Yeah. Uh, but they find when they get there that their reputation had got there before yeah. them. And everyone is standing around <laughs> petrified. Terrified. Yeah. <laughs> and there's guards all over the harbour and, mm. you know, they're going to keep them out. Yeah. And in the end, that the, you know, everyone's heard that these champions, mm. that now they've heard, they've been banished from their native land yeah. for oppression. Yeah. And they're raiding the world for treasures. They're basically pirates. They're pirates, yeah. yeah. Well, the king comes down to the harbour to see if he can negotiate with mm. them. And he asks what they want. Yeah. And they say, well, we want the pigs. Yeah. And he goes, you can have them, lads. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, yeah, take the pigs and go Yeah. Because he knows if, if he doesn't give them the pigs, they'll just they'll take them killed. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Brian is absolutely delighted to get the mm. pigs. So they have a feast. And Brian <laughs> tells the whole story. Yeah. He actually tells the truth yes. this time. Yeah. And it's pretty much the only time, I it think. It is the only time yeah. he tells the story. And actually, the king is quite sympathetic yeah. to his plight. So sympathetic that he says, well, what happens next? What yeah. are you going to get next? He says, look, I've got to get this puppy. Yeah. And he goes, oh, that's great. Because this puppy, mm -mm. Uh, the owner of the puppy, mm -mm. is married to my daughter. Yeah. Look, why don't you take me with him? And I'll persuade him to give you the puppy. Yeah. They think, great. So they set off. We're on the next quest. Yep. The quest for the puppy. <laughs> well, well, once again, just like before, they're all guarding the harbour, aren't they? Yeah. It was a good idea, but according to the text, he can't persuade the king to yeah. surrender the hound. Yeah. Now, the, the mother of this uh, puppy 
is interestingly is called Fall Inish. Yeah. Which is really just a version of Inish Foil, which is this name for the island of Ireland, this poetic name for the island of Ireland. It's the island of, of well, um, Foil, the fenced island. Yeah, the, fe- the, yeah. the, the, the guarded, guarded island. island. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't really know what to make of that. There's something slightly allegorical about there it, is, but I'm yeah. just not sure what it is. Exactly. It's only a hint of it. It's not, it's not like shouting at it, but it's just, it's curious, I suppose. Either names have been mm. just plucked out of the air mm. for their exotic sound. Yeah. Or there is some lost. Yeah, there's there's some sense meaning. that there was, you know, something about it previously yeah. that might have meant something. Although I sometimes get an, a feeling from this text that a storyteller is just picking names out of the air. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. They sometimes are just like you know, the sound of the names. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah Pishar so, and Perjra and so on. I don't know, but that mm. one ought to be more than that. Arsul yeah. can't persuade the king to surrender the hound mm. because the king can't see why just three warriors yeah. should be allowed to get away with these outrageous Exactly, he's uh, bloody right. You know, sort of, why should I give in to the demands of pirates? <laughs> well, it still comes to battle. Yeah. And uh, they set off hacking and slaying as usual. Yep. And um, once again, you get this wonderful boss fight. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely terrific. Between yeah. Brian and the king. Eroeth is there and it's describe this boss fight mm. as it were is described as Eruith in the very secure battle pen where he was and these two warriors made a fight and combat stoutly bloodily and venomously and theirs was indeed a powerful and very hardy striking of one another and a very fierce destructive and most powerful slaying <laughs> so they really set to it yeah but in the end he he doesn't overcome the king he doesn't kill the king mm. he just binds him and he takes him to his father-in-law going yeah. there you are i yeah i don't sake, know what i did i didn't kill him yeah and yeah. i won't kill him as long as he gives me the hound yeah yeah or the pup so he gets the the hound pup mm. and um that's it mm. I don't know. I, I do feel here that the storyteller's running out of steam yes. a bit. <laughs> it does feel a bit like that. You know. And you can understand why. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's like, what do we do? Kill everyone! Yeah. And then they go on and do something else. Yeah. What do you do? Kill, Kill everyone! everyone. <laughs> but they keep attempting to... They're making it a little bit different. Yeah. But it isn't quite Odysseus mm. and it's not quite Heracles. Yeah. It runs out of steam mm. a bit. Now, we come to the interlude. <laughs> Well, oh, yeah, yes, right. This, this <laughs> section where you leave the brothers mm. and their battling across the universe. Yes. Meanwhile, meanwhile back, on the back in the branch. Back yeah. on the branch. Yeah. <laughs> back in Ireland. Yeah. Lou's been busy. Yeah. He's been busy fighting, but he gets news eventually of the mm. success of the brothers. And he doesn't like that at oh, all. Oh, no, he's not happy. <laughs> and yet he quite likes the idea of having the magical items. Yes. Yeah. So he comes up with a really it says so he want, he needed them for the fast approaching battle against the Favara. Yeah. And yet, as we said, there's this That doesn't really actually weird happen. Yeah. Disconnect. Disconnect there. Mm. But he sends he he sends a spell after them. Mm. Just whoops. Yeah. Spell. Off yep. we go. And this creates a great desire in them to return to Ireland and mm. a complete forgetfulness of the last two quests. Yes. So they're missing out. They're thinking, oh, we've done it all. Yeah. We can go home. We can go. Exactly. We've got it. We've yeah. done it. We've succeeded. And off mm. they go home. And uh, they arrive at uh, shores of the mouth of the Boyne. They mm. land at Trocada. Although you did tell me that the Boyne was navigable. Absolutely, yeah. It was one of the things that made it a very important mm. river and made the area of the Boyne Valley very um, wealthy is that the Boyne is a navigable mm. Mm-hmm. river right from the sea right into the centre like in, into Meath and so that mm-hmm. made it very important so they easily could have you know that's entered... where the boat is at Brune Boyne at Brune Boyne yeah, yeah yeah you could have sailed up there at that time and of course that's how they got some of the, the rocks to be 
build Newgrange yeah. and Mouth and Douth, which came from far, yeah. from Wales, I think. Meanwhile, the court with Nuda and Lou, none of them are at Tara anyway. No. They're up in Hoth. Yeah, on Benader, which is more usually associated with Fionn, in fact, in the Fenian stories. But here, yeah, they seem to be in Hoth, which is just north of Dublin, sort of between Dublin and Drada, um, and is often kind of put as a almost like a lookout post, you know, for, for people coming in via that route. Lou does something rather odd. He mm. just um, quietly and secretly leaves for Tara, mm. closes the doors behind him, mm. mentions it specifically, mm. and puts on all his magical finery, and then he waits. Yeah. Doesn't do a thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's described here, I love the description here, he puts on the smooth Grecian armour of Malalam mm. and uh, this wonderful cloak. Yes, yeah which is of the, one of the daughters of Flidish. And this is really curious because Flidish is one of those figures, a little bit like Danu, where we don't really get stories of her deeds. Mm -hmm. um, but there are kind of <clears throat> descriptions such as that the that Flidish used deer instead of cattle. Um, there's one of those invocationary poems or spells um which invokes you know the daughters of Flidish and I think even that Danu is in one text named mm. as a daughter of Flidish. So she's associated with wild places. Yeah the wild places and wild creatures and you know she is one of those very shadowy and she uses a deer skin to hide her identity. I well it's in other stories that we mm. get that like in the story of Sad of, of Saif. Oh and yes Pion. of course. Yeah you have the sort of the wearing of the deer skin you know or turning into a deer you know that that means that you can pass on noticed so it's part of his secrecy at yes. that point that yeah. he puts on almost a cloak of invisibility exactly yeah I he doesn't so. want to be seen mm. uh i don't know why he really needs to do this there's something going on in his head there <laughs> i think he's lost it a bit yeah uh and of course brian and his brothers go to the king and ask for lou and, mm. and the king's most impressed with all the good stuff oh yeah he loves it yeah uh and they send the messages and they find he's gone to tower and send messages but lou won't receive them yeah. and says that oh give the stuff to the king yeah yeah uh, so this, they give the stuff to the king and they think that's it yeah and just when they think they've got away with it mm. lou doesn't want to see them because he doesn't want to renew the enmity yeah he's still feeling a bit upset about his father yeah and they think we've done it yeah then lou in all his heroic finery mm. just appears like a sort of flash of lightning mm. and reminds them that the whole fine has not been paid yeah and suddenly memory comes back to them yeah it's a magnificent image it is and it's so cruel yeah it's utterly cruel but it does of course have a, a resonance with the story of heracles that heracles was originally set 10 labors that's right but because he got help for two of them when he came back after doing the 10 he was told oh no you got help so you you need to do two more mm -hmm. and so he has to go off again and do yeah. another two tasks but the first of those two he does which is getting the apples from, from the, the garden, garden of his he, yeah. he gets helpful exactly yeah so that one would have not counted either yeah but it's it's that kind of structure i think that's mm -hmm. echoed in this story yeah, it's another reference to the fact that it this is. if you like is the author of this piece mm. is trying to create a sort of labors of heracles yeah he's, story. he's trying to weave the classical into the, the native you know which was very much a project mm. of that time you know to weave both the classical and biblical mm. worldviews in with the native but you know? rather like this image of the weak nuder or the, the mm. sick nuder at the beginning in yeah. the darkness with the insect now mm. you suddenly get this other cinematic moment yeah yeah when lou appears mm. and uh, with uh, like the crack of doom yes yeah exactly and that's it yeah 
and very, very sadly, and mm. really losing heart. He has destroyed yeah. them. At this oh point. yeah, this, this is breaking their spirits. Yeah. This is not merely killing mm. them, not merely punishing them. This is actually breaking them. And they return to their father's house, mm. and there's great grief. And uh, Ethna sees them off again mm. next day with more poetry. And yeah. this time she knows that they were returned. Uh, they were returned. Return. Yeah, this time it's definitely and the last she will see. Her poem them. is heartbreaking mm. this time. Alas for this, O Brian of my soul, that your progress leads not to Tara. After all your troubles in Ireland, although I go not to follow thee, O salmon of the Dumboyne, O salmon of the stream of Liffey, since I am unable to retain thee, I am loath to part from you. O horseman of the wave of Tuath, O man most lasting in combat, if your return should come to pass, as I hope, it will not be pleasant for your foe. And it's lovely, mm. but she knows they're yes. not going to come back. Yeah. And once again, as you, you pointed out, if mm. she is... If this Ethna is another sort of version of Ethlu, you know, Ethlu has to give her children, including Lou, to the to sea, the sea and, and never see is. them again. And here's Ethna sending, like she calls Brian a salmon, and Yucker and Yukurva uh, are like salmon spawn, young that fish. Means, That's yeah. what their names mean. So she is kind of letting go of these young fish into, into the, into the sea, sea. Yeah. that and she knows she'll never see them again just as so there is this Ethlin echo gives her gives the children to the water exactly and apart from Lou she mm. never sees the others again exactly so there is definitely a, there's a, an echo a link. There. but let's get on with mm. the quest for the cooking spit yes. which I love yeah this is where things get I think a bit more they feel a bit this more is Irish classical yeah less classical in its style uh, the brothers search for se three no three months quarter of a year mm. without news of the island then Brian, Brian does something really really strange <laughs> good I love this. Yes. He puts on his glass, light-admitting headdress and walks for a fortnight in the sea. Yeah. You're telling me he puts on a diving helmet? <laughs> and again, here's this thing where he's been off getting all these wondrous magical objects mm. and bringing them back, but then he just suddenly plucks this amazing thing out of the well, air. he's been turning people into, yeah. turning himself into all sorts of things. Exactly, yeah. But it's very clearly mm. glass light-admitting. Yeah. So you can't help but say, I'm not suggesting it no. is the diving helmet, don't get me wrong, but it amuses me. Yeah, it's but like some sort of headdress, yeah. which, um, and you, you were pointing out the glass, although um, O'Duffy says that he thinks it's glass. He keeps, but it, it could, could be, be crystal, crystal either, yeah. The, the word seems to only mean mm. glass. Mm. Uh, and glass would have been pretty, pretty rare. In earlier times, this is where, you know, my medieval history really, really um, shows me up, you know, that I don't, it's really not your have, period. It's not my period. And it's actually not really mine either. No, but again, I'm not sure how common, particularly clear glass, would have been. Yeah. Now in Britain and on the continent, Britain it was pretty common. Exactly. Not common. It yeah. was still stated. But it was known. But it about, was readily yeah. available. Exactly, and that's partly because of the Romans. You know, whereas at this kind of medieval period in Ireland, you know, they were using little fragments of old Roman glass that they had to import. They had to import, mm. you know, bits of broken glass the from glass other was countries. being made at that time, but I can't tell you whether it was no. available in Ireland. No, so, you know, it, it's possible. I, I honestly don't know. I'm not an archaeologist or historian, but I think it would have still been... Story archaeologist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, though, my sense of it is that there's, it certainly would have been references to, mm. the, to wondrous glass or clear crystal objects my, in literature and that 
feeling that's it, what it's they're... intending to be a light that mm. shows below the water, rather yeah. like loose headdress for yes. this light. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to see it as a diver. I know, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. what it is, it's some sort of ability for him to see mm, as he's walking in yeah, the sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Snorkel mask. And it, yeah, it doesn't actually say he's walking on the bottom of the sea. Mm. It says he's just walking in the water. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there is some sort of reference that he comes back to the boat. He's mm. walking on the water. But yeah. again, it's just in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's looking for the island. But, but whether he's got a diving help or not, or not I don't know. He goes mm. off to find this island. The island of Fiancara. Yes. And, uh, you know, that itself is an interesting name, this island. Yeah. And it gives us a, a sort of set of ideas that are really quite uh, readily available. Yeah. Readily recognisable. Yeah. Now, I think that although it's spelled Fiancara, I think it could be for Fianchura. Mm. And the reason I think that is that Fianchura would be a kind of a wild cauldron. And what we have, you know, he's looking for an island where there's a cooking spit. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, for one thing, the, the Irish landscape, dry landscape, is littered with places known as, you know, yeah, the, the full of fear. The cooking places, the Morrigan's cooking They're places. They're known as Morrigan's cooking places. And some of them are associated with a cooking spit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now the, These are real cooking places, yes, yeah, early the, cooking yeah. places. Not the Morrigans, but early cooking yes, places. Yeah, but they're often called the Morrigans cooking mm. pit. Um, but there's also then, there's a particular whirlpool that appears in like the Dinhenicus tales and poems. Mm. Um, and that's also described as Hura. That's also described as, as a cauldron. And I can think of in other countries, mm. well, I was thinking one of Australia, mm. there is you know, definitely a whirlpool called the cauldron. It's yeah. not uncommon to give it that name. Yeah, but there is this particular one that's mentioned within mm. the Dinhenicus. And I, far as I remember, I can be corrected on this, far as I remember, it's somewhere between Scotland and mm. Ireland. But we're definitely in the land under wave here. Yeah, we are. And so for the, all those reasons, I think it might be the kind of the wild cauldron. So it might be invoking this kind of full of fear, yeah, you know, that yeah, image. It's, it's a, and certainly you've got this um, this image of the witch under the wave, mm. which goes from the lady in the lake to Grendel's mother to a local story of the witch of Loch Allen, yeah. who called up storms exactly. on the local lake yeah. and uh, who was sunk to the bottom of the water. Mm. In the old days, you'd see her on the water and you know there was a storm. Yeah. But once she can't be seen, yeah. you don't know when the storm is exactly. going to come. So the, the, the yeah. wind whips the water into yeah. whirlpools well, on Loch Allen. Loch Allen is, is a local hotspot for many tornadoes. Yeah. You know, so and that will create the little whirlpool in the water. Yeah, so this is this is why it feels so familiar. Yeah, yeah. And whether that gives the indication there's a world down mm, below with mm. something, something brewing. bubbling up, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that fits. Mm. But anyway, he goes to the court of these women under the water mm. and he finds a group of women sewing mm -hmm. and he sees the cooking spit and he goes, mm. well, this is going to be easy. Yeah. And he just wanders over and picks it up. Mm. And uh, the women laugh and tell him that even if he had his brothers with him, yeah. he wouldn't have had a chance against the least of them. Yeah. But don't worry, they say they're going to give him the spit for his undaunted bravery yeah although you, you get the feeling that it's something more than that yeah i mean my sense of it is you know that, that he goes and picks it up and they kind of laugh and go you know we could crush you in a moment but it's almost this sense of well you can take this bit for all the good it will do you you're doomed already exactly that they already have the mark of death on them you know mm. because there's this is an uncompletable quest you mm. know um and this is again part of the wrongness and injustice of the entire mm. story is that you know, it's supposed to be just an Eric, just a blood fine, you know, to make reparation for the killing of Love's father. But Lou has designed an Eric that will kill them. Mm. And they go on to the last it does. Yeah, The exactly. quest for the three shouts, yeah. which is really the heart of the story. It is in many ways, yeah, yeah. 
end of part one. To continue the conversation, listen to part two.